I don't think you want to talk about Hallmark Channel movies. <laughs> don't you make assumptions about me. <laughs> <laughs> Radio Drome. Welcome to the 500th episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me, as always, is Cecil T. Robot. That's one O. And the Canadian Monkey Man himself, the Peter. Yes, as always, always telling you that I can make the baby. And guys, if you want to help out the show, or you want something to help you with your quarantine, or your your Rona or anything like that, you go to adamandeve.com. Use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. All you have to do is use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. If you want to look for anything on the internet, you know it's a dangerous place out there. You need the digital condom that is NordVPN. So what you do is you go to 1201beyond.com, backslash drome vpn that'll take you to nord's site for only three dollars and 79 cents a month you'll be able to get nord's protection off of a three-year plan that's 75 percent off of a three-year plan well they will encode your data protect your data you really need the digital condom that is nord vpn so this is our 500th episode guys and i wanted to talk about you know you have lots of tv series and i guess in a way film franchises and that, that they go on and on. Why, when a TV series goes on very long, does it tend to dip down? You rarely ever hear someone talk about how great the final season of that eight-season show is, but they always talk about how good season one is, how good season two was. Why is it so hard to maintain a series over a long period of time, and more importantly, to end a series, because most series have pretty terrible final episodes, don't they? I mean, it's hard to keep things fresh after so many seasons. I mean, not everybody is going to be always sunny. Somehow, you know, for 14, 15 seasons, everything is really fresh, but for a lot of other shows, you know, by the time they get into their fourth, fifth, sixth seasons, things start getting a bit repetitive. They have to basically either reboot it or cut the entire show entirely this is obviously what's happened with with shows like uh with shows like seinfeld with shows like friends this this happens uh very frequently with with a lot of uh british programming as well so it's it's just hard to keep things keep things fresh and keep things going really that's that's pretty much the as uh, as simple as it gets I think a lot of times what happens is you have a creative team that starts the show and then around season two or three, because of disputes over maybe money or creative differences, that the original creative team that had the vision for the whole project leaves. 
And then they hire a bunch of other people who now are coming in fresh. And of course, they have their ideas where all of this should go. And then everything goes down the shitter. And any plot things that they had in there, they're like, oh, well, this isn't really important. And they just drop all that stuff. And then anything that was really interesting usually goes by the wayside for whatever other nonsense this new creative team can throw in there. And then everyone loses interest and the show peters out and gets canceled. In theory, it should do the exact opposite of that. You get your growing pains out of the way. You get that awkward first season out of the way. Maybe you've got some of the bad ideas out. You figured out what does work, what doesn't work. In theory, the longer you go on, it should get better, right? Now, it's different when a long-running series is canceled unexpectedly. And it's like, oh, well, okay, I guess we're not going to be finishing up those plot lines. And maybe they were. Maybe the cancellation was a blessing in disguise. Other times when a series goes on too long, they've run out of ideas. You have to make that final season. And it is different when you know the finale's coming up. You can build up to it. You can do something, quickly wrap up all the storylines you had. Hopefully not in a way, Game of Thrones season 8 or whatever it was sort of way where you piss everybody off. But look at how many long-running series have just absolutely horrendous series finales. I loved Battlestar Galactica one seasons 1 through 3. The, the reboot from 2003. Season 4 was getting wonky, but there was still some good things in it. And then that finale was just the show pulling its dick out, slapping you in the face and saying, you like this, don't you? You like this? Huh? 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 Why does something like that happen? Why does something like Battlestar Galactica happen? Where it, or, or, or even worse, I know Cecil will have something to say about this. The series finale of Star Trek Enterprise, which was an absolute Fuck you to not only fans of Enterprise, but to fans of Star Trek The Next Generation as well. Why does a finale like that end up happening? How does nobody stop that and go, you know what? This might be a bad idea, guys. I don't know. It's it's bizarre when they do, they kind of just blow it up. It's more amazing to me when you get a show, I know we've talked about this numerous times, the season finale of Cop Rock, where they just decided to kind of go bonkers and it ends with like the fat lady singing and it's it's funny. Like, it's almost the, the, like... The characters even lament. I remember at one couple of the characters like, but I didn't even get a song. And then he's like, well, no, you had a song. No, that was me helping you with your song. I didn't get a song. I love the fact that they knew they were canceled. And they actually got the opportunity to do a finale. Like, there's so many shows anymore. Like, Smith. Smith was fantastic. Oh, my God. And... Did I love that show. And yeah, they, they aired it, they aired it out of order, and then they didn't even run the last couple episodes. No, no, and no, um, with, with Smith, they, they did air them in order, but they only aired the oh, first thought... three episodes, and then, because Ray Liotta's fucking running mouth, okay, the, the ratings weren't good for it, but Ray Liotta was on, like, The Tonight Show or something like that to promote it, and he was complaining about the schedule, because, you know, he made movies for so long he was complaining about how fast the schedule was and he said man i really hope they cancel this thing soon and they canceled it that night uh, Ray Liotta's I, I mean, big it, fat mouth got it canceled i think but it's a it's a joke 
You know, like, I don't know. I think that's the other thing, too. I think there's too many people in the higher ups of Hollywood that were probably bullied a lot in high school. And now that they're adults, they're the ones that call the shots and have the money. And so when somebody kind of throws a little something at them, then they're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to cancel your show. Like, it, it's there's so many just high school mentality BS things that they do that always pisses me off. I, I hate I've run into so many stories of that where they're really just adult children that uh, are in charge of the finances. Yeah, it seems like as far as a lot of TV goes, a lot of it is very sophomoric behavior. If you say anything, they'll fuck you, they'll destroy your career, they'll fly off the handle. So I really don't think that was Ray, Ray Liotta's fault. I actually agree with uh, Cecil. What about when, now obviously the show is back now when it came back in the early 2000s, but what about when in 1989, I think it was, when Doctor Who went off the air? What about when the final season of a show, or at least the final season at that time, is made to get the show canceled? Because I remember the whole thing was they got a new president at the BBC. He hated Doctor Who. He he thought the BBC should be making period dramas and character pieces, and he hated the fact that Doctor Who was one of their highest ratings. He was of that mindset, science fiction is for kids. Not only cutting their budget, but he instituted all these changes that were there specifically to piss off Doctor Who fans so the show's ratings would go down, so he would have an excuse to cancel it. So that final original run of Doctor Who season, which I think there are some good episodes in it, it's not a terrible shit show season, it was made to get the show canceled. Is that a different kind of final season? Like, I'm going to keep bringing up Battlestar Galactica, or is it that Ron Moore, who always wanted to put all this religious stuff in there, and he was never able to, finally got the control and said, now we're going to make it my show. What do you mean nobody's watching it anymore? You know, whenever you get somebody involved, uh, they have a certain amount of creative control. They're going to want to put their own spin on certain things. I'm wondering how many shows have gone along where the creators really have wanted to bail. Like, you have to, you have to wonder if something like The Simpsons, if they're like, still having fun making it or if they're just like oh my god can we end this already but i mean but people are still watching it so they keep making it but i do wonder if some of the voice actors kind of pulling the whole you know we're we're going to give up our our voices to to other people to do them if that's really just them being like you know what i'm tired i've been doing this voice for 20 plus years i don't want you know i want to just retire but they can't because of maybe contractual stuff, but this is a way out, you know, and that's kind of ties into a, you know, let's, let's kind of cancel this by proxy. Really though, most shows will end sooner than later. Like it is actually rare that a show will go on more than three to four seasons. Like I was talking about earlier in England, they will end a show like two seasons, three seasons in, they'll only do about five to six episodes per season. So it's like, the fact that Simpsons has gone on as long as it has with the multitudes of different writers and different directors and different producers that they've had, the only example I can think of as far as like a long going show that has been quality, that has still had like good writing going all the way is always sunny. The only thing that's uh, indicative to me of that is Henney is a fucking maniac. Like... <laughs> Him, him, and him, and Charlie Day seem to be a idea pumping machine, and it seems like that show is just going to go on forever. But in the case of most shows, in terms of like 
you know, the final season, having a different director, different actors, different writers, all this stuff. It seems like that's more of a common thing. It's constantly changing hands. You got people that are that just don't want to keep working on the same thing that that want to leave and go do other things that want to go do movies that want to do music or whatever. And they don't want to do the TV thing anymore because a lot of uh, producers and writers and directors consider TV work to be like a lesser thing. So they'll leave it or for other reasons, they'll be cut from the project. I think that in itself is a reason why a lot of shows don't go on for that long because the same crew doesn't want to stick around. And even the ones that get uh, assigned to the project as newcomers don't really want to stick around too. So it's like, that's, that's pretty much at least as far as I can see why TV for the most part, at least TV shows does not have a lot of longevity. But then there's also the aspect of, what about when a show should have been canceled a long time ago? Where you see like, okay, all of the storylines set up in season one are resolved at the end of season two. But it's a seven season show and they just kind of meander around. It, it, it doesn't even feel like the same show by season five. It, you know, the whole cast has been replaced. I remember like uh, Earth Final Conflict. The last two seasons of that show, there wasn't a single cast member from the first couple of seasons left. And it was New Aliens. and It was like literally a different show with the same premise or now, th this one I'm going to get a little weird on. I'm not talking about the, the coming back a few years ago. What about the X-Files? When David Duchovny left and Gillian Anderson took a back seat, Doggett and Reyes took over, it was the X-Files, but I don't think it should have been. I, I, I don't crap on those last three seasons the way everyone else does. I think they're, they're fine seasons, but they shouldn't have been the X-Files. The X-Files, to me, should have been cancelled, and then Doggett and Reyes, with maybe an occasional guest star from Skinner or Scully, should have been their own show. It should have been a new show. I don't think those last few seasons would have gotten the hate that it did if it were not called The X-Files. So what about when a show goes on too long, or should have been cancelled, but isn't? I think in the case of that, if they would have done a spinoff, it wouldn't have gotten the numbers. So that's really why they decided to keep it as the X-Files, simply because if it was, uh, I don't know, the next files or whatever they would have called it, it would have gotten a little bit of the attention, but it would have ultimately probably gone on for like one season. I mean, look at their other spinoffs. They didn't have successful spinoff, arguably, was Millennium, and that wasn't really a spinoff. That was just, you know, they kind of spun it trying to capitalize on the success of the X-Files, but really it was its own thing. And then they did the season finale of that mixed in with the X-Files to, to kind of give it a, a more proper ending that they couldn't because and Fox... that was totally insulting as well lance henriksen and david duchovny even can't stand that crossover episode and it's hated by both x-files fans and millennium fans that's one where they should have just left it the hell alone well, they, they tried. They wanted to do something, and I think that, I don't know the full story, but it seems like they were trying to give it a, a little bit more of a proper ending, and uh, more you know more suits got involved, and the whole thing got screwed up. Actually, with that one, I don't know this factually. Feels like it was a standalone script that was rewritten to include the Millennium characters. It that, that Maybe that's mm -hmm. why it didn't feel organic. It felt like this was a script we had, well, we can make this character Frank Black, we can make this character 
character, the millenn- you're this group, the Millennium Group. There, now we have a crossover. That's what it felt like. It didn't feel like it was written to appease either audience. It felt like it was just an average script that they shoved Frank Black into. Well, there is a sign when a show has gone too long and another show has gone too long or another show is introduced by a lot of the same makers that they will do a spinoff. They will try to implement, you know, a millennium with an X-Files. And it, it's something that, that doesn't always work. It's something that they should not always do because it does not always work. And it's kind of a sign of desperation, of, of trying to connect these two things together of doing like kind of a a a shared universe thing is they're trying to like sort of force new ideas onto each other and it it just really isn't something um the only time at least in my memory that it has worked is when uh xena and the hercules show did it like when they did kevin kevin sorbo and lucy lawless when they combined their two shows and they did a couple spin-off episodes, that was actually really great. But when they did it with X-Files and Millennium, that sort of felt like the X-Files crew being like, oh shit, we're out of ideas. Like, at least that's what it felt like to me. And being out of ideas is not necessarily why a show should be canceled or is canceled. There's always external forces, like with Radiodrome. This is the series finale of Radiodrome. And it's not a joke. I know for other anniversary episodes, I've pulled gags and things like that. This isn't a joke. This is the series finale of Radiodrome. We are ending it. 500 is a pretty good number. And this is not something that just happened out of nowhere. I told you guys at episode 450, remember I said at 500, I want to end this. What was your reaction when I told you at episode 500, we're going to end Radiodrome? Honestly, kind of surprised because... This this really felt like something I could do forever. Oh, finally. <laughs> oh, I'm so done with... No, no, in all sincerity. Uh, I was kind of shocked. Uh, it's been part of my... Well, originally, we started, what, Friday nights? and the, Or, no, Sunday nights. Well, right? we're on Sunday nights now. I don't even remember. Because you've been here. You've been here longer than, than Peter. You sh- You started in episode 150. So you've right. been here for 350 episodes, uh, you know, minus an episode here or there that you minus missed. Minus here or there, yeah. Where but Peter no, I didn't mean, start till... We used to record at... We used to start at midnight my time. At what... I think it was Sunday nights, I think, originally. And then we switched to Sunday afternoons. So basically, it's been a part of my weekend, essentially, for hundreds of weekends so i kind of it's just been it's just been a thing you know it's just been something that i've been doing for all this time and i've been enjoying doing i wouldn't have done it if i wasn't enjoying it it was a surprise i really didn't i didn't expect it it's just one of those things where i didn't know you know when it was ever going to end i i kind of figured that it would probably end we would be halfway through an episode you would have a like a massive rage induced heart attack and it'd be like oh fuck well i guess we can't do the show anymore (laughs) and for all of you who had your money on that being my exit screw you i'm not going out like that i'll I'll probably freak (laughs) out but i won't have a heart attack 
<laughs> uh, when you, a couple weeks ago, when I knew, you know, we only had a couple episodes left, I went back into Facebook Messenger and I was trying to find the first time when you contacted me because, but apparently I think that was in your old Facebook account, which you lost because it only went back. Like by the time I went all the way back to the beginning of our messages, you had already, like we were talking about like shit. So we had already known each other for a while, but I remembered I was at I was at PAX and I was checking my phone and I had gotten a message on Facebook Messenger from you and you were like, hey, uh, Fred Fritz told me that uh, I should check out your show, like your stuff. I'd like to have you on for an episode. I was like, oh, cool. you know, I wrote back. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, that'd be really neat. You wrote back very like arrogant, you know, well, me arrogant. Well, well We'll see about maybe thinking of having you on. I want to talk to you a little bit first. And, and it just kind of like, I, I laughed because I was just like, wait, who's this guy? I'm going to be on the show with Brad. Like, it's, it, I'm like, this is Brad's podcast show. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to be on with that other guy. All <laughs> right. And I was never, whenever I came on, because uh, I was a guest host for like a cup, you know, a handful of episodes first, but I was always like, hey, Brad's not going to be here because you be here and i was like yeah sure you know whatever and i was like hey is there ever going to be an episode where i'm on and brad's on and then like brad left and you would <laughs> ask me to be like the the the, the permanent fill-in the the per you know the permanent fill-in and it just kind of cracked me up where i was just like i joined this because of him you know but then you know but we but i mean we, we became friends you know i ended up we've got our own dynamic but it was just really funny because i really i only knew of you that you were the the other guy in radio. Like, I didn't know the whole... Like, I mean, of course, over the years, I found out, oh, okay, this is the way that things, you know... But I always, uh, initially, as a lot of people thought, that it was a thing that Brad started, and well, really, well, it's... Well, Brad did start it, but I was the editor and the producer of it and everything. Brad did start it. There's, you know, nobody's going to well, take that away. And then when he... Oh, yeah, he did start it, but he... The, he yeah, really, the way... He lost, uh, he lost interest in it. Yeah. The way that this is started what it came down was... To. Uh, at the start, it was a very strange thing because I remember, yeah, seeing it on his uh, Cinema Snob website. It was him and Jared, and there were like, it, it seemed to be a very sort of random, free flowing kind of thing. They they had uh, they, <laughs> they they had uh, tragic stories with silly music. I remember that was a thing, and then eventually it moved on to Brad, Jared, and I think you. No, because what happened was they did five episodes on Brad's site, yes. and Brad was of doing all of these thing. other yeah. shows and all this, and then there had been a lull. I, I don't remember the exact time period, maybe six months, seven months without an episode. I had had Brad on Lost in the Static, and off mic, we had just been just talking about all these movies, and I kind of got the idea, well, let's ask Brad if you know he'd like to do a show. And it's like, well, he's got Radiodrome. It's just sitting there. He's not doing anything with it. So he gave that to me, and then mm. for the first 150 episodes, he and I did it, and then his schedule was just, it was becoming way too difficult to try and schedule all of this with all and of the it things. Became, uh, then it became Jowski. And then Cecil showed up and then I showed up and it's like there's there's a real there's a there's a very strange history with the whole thing. Yeah. And and in 
None of it is, oh, this person, you know, because when, when Brad left the show, I loved how on the boards on his site and all that, it was, oh my God, Brad finally had enough of him. Oh, he's finally told Josh off. That's not what happened. <laughs> and trust me, that has happened with other people, but that's not what happened here. I always thought that that was really, really funny. It had to be he finally got sick of me. Not, right. you know, he's got a lot of other things to do, and doing this week in, week out is probably not his freaking priority. Well, right, because Brad's got all these other different shows that he's doing. He's got the, the those, like... He had, he... he had the Cinema Snob, the Big Box yeah. stuff, the Bruno Matai show, the, uh, uh, the, the sitcom one. He had, like... Four or five regular shows that he was doing. This was just well. He had more. He he seemed to have more yeah. projects back then that he that he does now. Where it's like oh yeah, yeah and it's like, he had like softly from cable. Yeah, uh, yeah. He had like all oh, these just God. like fifty gajillion different shows. <laughs> right. Been, like it was almost like he was just he was spreading himself too thin. Essentially, like yeah, at that and time. it it just it got to the point where it was every week I'd be like Brad, you know, I can't I can't even remember what day we recorded on then you're gonna be he's like no i gotta be here you know and it just it it got to the point where scheduling was just such a nightmare he decided hey i'll I'll do a guest spot now and then but i'm moving on and i'm like you know what dude i totally understand he gave me the show so i kept it going one of the reasons i'm ending it is i am so burnt out I am so burnt out, not just on this. There's a reason there hasn't been a Lost in the Static or a WTF in almost a year and a half at this point. I am so burnt out on all this because each show, you guys might not realize it, but each show takes us an hour to an hour and 15 minutes or so to record and then another three or four hours to edit. And that's not counting the research that has to go into any topic. That's not counting all of the movies we have to watch or me making all of my notes. That this is a big thing that I am not making any money on. Okay, we've got the Nord code. We've got the Adam and Eve code. I maybe make 20 bucks a month off that. Maybe. And most of that goes right back into paying for the website and paying for the hosting. So I don't make a cent on this. There's the Patreon, which helps a little bit, but I'm going to be honest, most people don't donate to the Patreon. With our listenership, if every single person that listened to an average episode donated $1 a month, not a dollar a week, but $1 a month on Patreon... All three of us could do this as our as a job because right. throughout this whole mm-hmm. thing, I've also had a day job. I've written for magazines. I've written short stories. I've written comic books. Peter has a day job through all of this. Cecil has good bad flicks, but Peter and I work our wage slave day jobs through all this. We don't make yes. enough money to live off this. Where I see all of these other shows out there, they get. Three, four thousand dollars a month just for doing a podcast on Patreon. And it's like, and as arrogant as this is going to sound, they suck. It's rambling nonsense. They do, <laughs> all they talk about is Avengers movies and stuff. Yeah. Maybe we're a little too niche, but one of the reasons I'm ending this is I'm not making any money and I am so burnt out on it. Plus, I have so many other things going on now. I am writing my book. 
I am writing three different comic books. Uh, the first one of my comic stories comes out in October. I'm writing for two other publishers for comic book stories. I've got three short stories that I'm writing right now, plus a couple more. I've got two screenplays I'm writing. I'm going back to school, and I'm doing my day job every day. I just can't fit Radiodrome into this anymore, guys. I just can't. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's only so long that you can do something for free, essentially. As, as much as, um, even though I, I really have enjoyed it, the, the times that, you know, I, I would always look forward to the Sundays when we record. Sometimes I would sleep in, kind of kind of messed up today with my internet connection, which, again, I'm very sorry about. But it's it's something that I would always rec- uh, look forward to, whether we were recording on, there was, there was a time when we were doing it Friday night. There was a time we were doing it Sunday night. We were doing it Sunday afternoon, that sort of that sort of happened when uh, my work schedule had changed and I had to work Sunday afternoons. So I would literally record before work and then it changed to recording after work. It's something that I would I would sort of always revolve my schedule around as far as as far as working would go to do a radio drum. And it's something that regardless of what stage in my life I was, I'd always look forward to to doing radio drum. And it, it would have been nice if if more people could have donated because it's like it, it it was something that I was adding to part of my my repertoire of doing content because obviously I've got my show, I've got the streams, I've got this, you, you know. You got recognized I've... once at a concert from doing radio drum, didn't you? Yeah, I did, yeah. One guy was oh, like wow. Yeah, I, I went to go see uh Perturbator or Perturbator or whatever, the guy that does my my theme my theme song for my show guy came up to me when I was at a concert with my girlfriend at that time and was like, I, I recognize your voice. You're on radio drum with uh, Josh Hadley and Cecil, right? You're, you're Pete. And I'm like, yeah, Hey, uh, thanks for the support. So it's like, there are people that listen to us. Just the problem with online content is not everybody can afford to throw, throw a few shekels every month. And that's, that's the unfortunate part. But either way, I still appreciate all the support that everybody has given us over the years, all the listens that everybody has given us over the years, all the shares. There is a Twitter account called Sluts, Sluts, and, Sluts Guts. and Guts. Yes, they always retweet us. They always uh, post every episode after we're done, after it's uploaded. So it's like there have been a lot of awesome people that have supported us over the years, and I I appreciate that. And do I wish that I could have done this for a living or this sort of stuff in general for a living? And do I still kind of want it to happen? Yeah, we we don't always get what we want. The burnout is real. I mean, uh, I, I'm lucky that I'm able to do my show for a living. Uh, I work my fucking ass off to be able to do it for a living, but, uh, and still, I mean, I am not making as much as I was when I was gainfully employed. Uh, you know, when I had a regular nine to five job, but I am able to make enough to survive. But there are other shows out there that uh, they just, again, not to not to shit on everybody else. But I mean, my show in general, I venture into uh, mainstream stuff every now and then. I talked about the the uh, the mummy film with Brendan Fraser and I talked about the mask and I'll talk about uh, some more mainstream films. But a lot of my stuff is more of the obscure. And when you're talking about the Velvet Vampire, you might get a really, really interesting story, but you're not going to get the views like somebody who's talking about the latest Avengers film. There is something about someone like you who puts in so much time, so much research 
into into the videos you do, into your content. The fact that you're hopefully going to get a Silver Bolo Award from Joe Bob this year, hopefully. I hope so. Hopefully, yeah. I am not. I at least know I'm on the radar, at least. At least. You know, now I, you know. Well, perhaps we just jinxed it, or who knows. Hey, I'd love to get Radiodrome one, you know, to get all of us one. But you oh, I have, have you? literally, I've literally had back and forth with Darcy. Darcy got me, like, I think 300 likes on my post where I was talking about Tom Atkins being a great Commissioner Gordon. And she's like, she shared my like live stream stuff. So it's like, I feel like me, Cecil, Radio Drum and General Josh, we should get some sort of recognition as like a silver bowl thing as like a, a thing on the Joe Bob. But it's like, it, 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 do, it doesn't seem to matter if, uh, if Darcy notices us. I think it's more, more or less of Joe Bob himself. Darcy handles all of the Silver Bolo stuff. Joe Bob, because okay. uh, you've okay. seen where, where he'll have no idea what, the podcast or whatever like, what she brings that? That, that, that that's his genuine reactions he's so, just hearing about it like that minute yes you know? it, it seems to be a thing if you get like nominated online uh over twitter then then you'll get it so it seems like you have to go tell people hey hey you know tag tag uh me to darcy and this or whatever so it's like it seems to be that that's kind of what seems to happen with it so i don't know i don't know what it is really but i do really think that cecil deserves it though like because jesus well, you have been you. You, you've been grinding since like what 2011 2012 2010 i will be more than happy to see cecil get a silver bolo and to see him creaming his pants the night that that episode airs if he gets one oh god yeah i i am going to i would i would flip People don't realize that about what we do. There are actually a lot of like the fact that Cecil is as popular as he is and is uh, the, the amount of supporters that he has and the, the income that he gets from this. There are a lot of people in his same position that have writers, that have editors, that have yeah. people that film for them. Cecil does all of it himself. I do all my own stuff as well. And I, I, I do Josh everything does, on this. Josh I, does everything too. Josh does I mean, all his own research. Yeah, the, like the, the, the we, research, w whenever we do like a deep dive into something, you guys are always shocked at all of the research. I'm like, oh yeah, I've got pages and pages of in a word pad here of all this stuff. Half of it we never even get to in an episode. Right. But I've still done all the research and I have all this crap we never get around to talking to. And also, with the three of us... No, we alternate, obviously, but we work for a company called Excess Entertainment out of Germany. We do commentary tracks on some of their exploitation releases. Cecil yes. and I did Light Blast. Peter and I, it's its coming out. Well, COVID kind of knocked it out, so probably, I don't know if it'll be coming out this year or early next year. We did a commentary on Wes Craven's Summer of Fear. 42nd Street Pete and I did Mark Lester's first film, Steel Arena. The Glenn Criddle and I just did, just came out on the Mikey blu-ray the the kid serial killer movie from the early 90s yes. so we we work for excess as well so that's another thing and peter and cecil you guys can back up when we do those i have a ton of research for that too i mean oh I, yeah oh for sure i had all of these little tidbits and things and notes and things to talk about you guys listening don't understand it might sound like the three of us just get on here for an hour and we goof that's not what happens. This is very no, there's intensive. there's a lot of work that goes into it. There's a ton of work that goes into it. We all kind of have to know what we're talking about, especially when we do like a retrospective. When we're doing like 
a retrospective on an actor or a film franchise or something, you know, we, we have to go out of our way, even with whatever busy schedules we have to watch these franchises or to do deep dives on these actors. So we don't sound like buffoons, you know, when we're, when we're recording these episodes, uh, it does, it, it does. And it has taken a lot of work to do what we do. We're just, we're just happy that there have been people that have been appreciative of it for Jesus, like, 500 plus episodes in well, total of, of different different hosts and uh, different versions of it. And there's also the me, uh, Josh, Cecil and me version of it. So it, it's really been quite the invent, quite the adventure. But the, there's also the aspect. So, so he, here's the thing that's always made me feel weird about Radio Drum. We have a very dedicated fan base. I hear on a regular basis on Twitter, on Facebook, in private messages, things like that from listeners of Radio Drum. That seems to be a small portion of the people listening because I get to see the numbers of how many times the show is played or downloaded. We only hear from like a percent of those people. So I don't know if that's people that are hate listening, just passive listening, or anything like that. But I really do like connecting with this audience. I've had numerous people who I will not name for their privacy reasons who've messaged me or emailed me and said... Man, you know, I was going through a really tough part in my life. I was going going through some really tough times. I was listening to these radio drums. They really helped me through a tough time. I know I've talked two people out of suicide who are now close friends who started with listening to the show and they reached out to me and my email and they were like, dude, I'm really at a low. And then they were shocked that I emailed them back. Now, remember, I'm nobody. And they were like, oh, my God, I can't believe you actually messaged me back. Dude. I'm nobody. Of the three of us, Cecil's the only somebody here. Sorry, Peter, but <laughs> y- y- you're you're a nobody just like me. Oh, definitely. I'm I'm just really just a working class guy that likes talking about movies. Like that's pretty much it. And yeah, I've I've had people do that too. I've had people either leave comments or direct message me either regarding Radiodrome, either regarding my show or whatever other content I do. You know, you'll you'll get those messages sometime of just you've really helped me out in this rough patch. I really appreciate the the content you're putting out. Thank you so much. And then I'll because I, I I try to respond to everybody. I try to to interact with everybody that I can over Twitter, over YouTube. Obviously, not so much over Facebook because I'm not really using that anymore. But anybody that does message me, I do try to respond. And it's it's kind of it's a, it's a very humbling feeling when you get that sort of response of of somebody being uh, surprised that you even responded because it's like, well, I'm not. I'm not like a celebrity or anything, you know, <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just a fan of, of films and a, a fan of movies and, and pop culture and this stuff, like the same as you. I just, I just have a podcast. Like that's just, that's just kind of it. But I just, I love the, uh, the, the fact that we not only have managed to entertain a lot of people, but it seems like we've managed to help a lot of people too. And I think that's really cool. And and there's also the aspect, first of all, I hate the term podcast. Who has an iPod anymore? That's what it was supposed to be for. I consider this a radio program. It might be on the internet, but it's a radio program. Please do not call us a podcast. It drives me up the wall. Although now that I said it bothers me, people are going to do it just to do that. But whatever. We also have to thank all of the people who've been on this show at various points. We've had so many great... I'm not talking like, you know, Joe Dante and Jello Biafra and people like that when they were on Fred Decker and all that. I'm just talking the people who were on on a regular basis who would fill in or just be a fun guest. Like, obviously, Brad Jones, 
you know, he started this. He gave me the show. I wouldn't have this if not for him. And we got some final episode finale messages from some of these people, like Brad Jones. I thought this was canceled five years ago. I I didn't know it would take you until episode 500 to finally run my baby into the ground, to set it on fire, this creation of mine that I gave you with my blessing. You just beat it with a belt repeatedly right in front of my face. I I, I don't know. Congratulations. (laughs) Jared Foyles. Congratulations, Josh, for taking this show to 500 episodes. But personally, there hasn't been a good episode since 250. 42nd Street Pete. Wow, I was actually on this show? I must have been really stoned because I I don't recall being on this at all. Is this 500 episodes of this? 500 episodes of, of Radiodrome. Wow. Then you really wonder why you're unemployed. But, you know, maybe this is a good segue for you. You could be like one of those guys standing out in front of um, Long John Silver's in the pirate outfit, waving people down, saying, I did 500 episodes. But anyway, I mean, you know, the show was is, was pertinent. I don't know what happened to it. It sort of went off the rails. But and I smoke too much weed, so I really shouldn't be playing with anything sharp or electronic at this point. But anyway, congratulations. And I, I hope you find your niche in today's world, my friend. Brandon Tennell. Wow, 500 episodes. You managed to last longer than Bonanza, MASH, and Seinfeld. Still didn't last as long as The Simpsons, though, although that's probably for the best. Anyway, it was always uh, always great being on the show because growing up, whenever I would talk about stuff like heavy metal or Canadian exploitation movies or Jaws knockoffs or any of the other weird shit you had me on to talk about, usually I just ended up uh, you know, getting a bunch of funny looks and people would walk away. So it was nice to find other people out there that are just as weird as I am. And the fact that you could extend this all the way to 500 episodes is really something. Darren Orange. Hi, my name is Darren Orange, and I just want to say thank you to Cecil for getting me involved in Radio Drome, and Josh Hadley for bringing me into this fantastic group and having me for so many of his episodes. Thank you, Josh, and thank you, Cecil. And I want to say thanks to Peter because you've been fantastic. I haven't got to chat with you as much as the others, but you're. I love bouncing things off of you. It's a blast. I love the George Romero episodes and the and the Hellraiser episodes. I want to thank you all for everything. Be safe, have fun, and I'll see you guys in the next adventure. Stephen Bissett. Hey, congratulations, Radio Drome, on the big 500. This is Steve Bissett, and uh, I really appreciated the time I've had on Radio Drome, and looking forward to whatever the next project might be. David Irons. This is going to be a shame that it's coming to an end. That's how I feel. I genuinely feel that way. I found Radiodrome after I made my first feature, and I just was burned out from everything to do with film. I'd made it physically everyday part of my life, trying to get into the film world and making low-budget films. I kind of lost my passion for film. Radiodrome helped me find it again it really did and you were like i've said previously on the show like uh you know i didn't want to make uh, a bad horror film so i didn't make a horror film i made other genres of film and i think that's what kind of was part of the reason why i was burned out I wasn't doing something that i necessarily 
wanted to do. I was just doing other things. The show made me find that again. It did. And then, like, like connecting with you, Josh, and talking to you, um, it just, you know, you brought everything to the surface again that was there. So I know you, th- you think I'm going to say something terrible about the whole thing. I'll, I'll be snarky towards you, but no, like, I, I can't do that. I can't do that because genuinely, Mondays I have a routine. Monday morning, I go out to work, and the first thing I listen to, the first hour of the day, is Radio Drone. And now it's going to be gone, and that's a very sad thing. Glenn Criddle. 500 episodes, huh? I have to say, it was not only my honour, but my duty to bring a British voice to this clearly overly American show. I mean, seriously, when I first appeared on episode 106 to talk about the video nasties, not only did I have to insist that we call them by the British titles, I was the only British accent on the show. It was wonderful to be the only voice of reason in the room, though, and for that I will be eternally grateful, even if big star Brad didn't turn up. On a serious note, though, I love you, man. Love the show, and the internet will be that little bit more barren without Radiodrome. Always knew I could do that bit better than you. Fred Fritz. Well, what can I say that every prosecuting attorney in Chicago hasn't already said about Josh? It's been an amazing time. I've had a great time doing this show. It's uh, it's pulled things out of me I honestly didn't uh, expect, to be quite honest. And uh, Josh always finds a new way to either tick me off or... Uh, uh, get something new. So it's been a great time, Josh. I was there before Pitar and Cecil and after several others. Got me to stick around, and that says a lot that I kept wanting to come back. So God bless, man, and I wish you the best in all your future endeavors. Mike White? Well, you know, I thought one was more than enough. That you've done 500 is pretty remarkable and pretty abusive. Man, You've made me watch some really shitty movies over the years, Josh. Well, you know, you can't talk about Scanners without talking about Scanner Cop. Cop 2, Cop 3, how many of those fucking Scanner Cop movies were there? I've loved every minute that I've been on the show, so no matter whether I was talking about a horrible movie with you or something a lot of fun, it's always been a good experience, so I am I'm was always very glad to appear here making me watch, you know, all those Tomatoes movies. That's the thing I always appreciated about you is just how thorough you were. I can't think of anybody other than possibly me. And I would say that you are more of a completist than I am when it comes to stuff. So you, you know, when you were talking about Highlander, you're talking about the entire thing, including the TV show. So it's not just a cursory look at it. You're deep diving. And I always appreciated the OCD-ness of it. And Sarah Hanley. Welcome to episode 5936 of Radio Drome. We are here with uh, the second clone of Josh Hadley. I know that the first one kind of blew up, but oh, wait, wait, we're canceled? How how can that be? All of the world economies, they spin on the, oh, wait, we're just a podcast? Darn. That's just the ones that I could get in touch with. There are some others, obviously, you know, there's a strained relationship, but that I'm not insulting anybody by leaving them out. As much as this is a sad finale for me, it's going to be weird. It's going to be honestly weird next week not recording with you chuckleheads. Because you two chuckleheads, I'm going to miss recording with you guys every week. But that said, I I, I was kind of setting something up with that X-Files thing, where I was talking about that. Radiodrome is dead. 
but I want to do, it won't be a weekly thing, it won't be a regular thing, maybe once a month getting together with you two goons for a new series called Retrodrome, which is literally going to only be retrospectives on a director or a film franchise. No more just regular topics or anything, but Retrodrome is something that's probably going to happen. It will just be on an irregular basis whenever we can actually find the time and this is something I've always had, not, not a problem in a bad way, but sometimes getting you guys to watch all the movies in a franchise is like freaking hurting cats. <laughs> so if I can get you guys to watch all the movies in a given franchise, because I so want to subject you guys to the witchcraft movies, all mm. 16 of those. I don't know if I'll actually ruin our friendship if I make you watch all 16 witchcraft movies, but I want to try. But Retrodrome will probably be coming. I don't know exactly when, but it will be an irregular thing. So Radiodrome is dead. Long live Retrodrome. Well, I mean, it's about time that you recognize that I'm actually the famous one in this trilogy. Uh, <laughs> I've always resented you. <laughs> you motherfucker. No, God, I'm I'm just hey, a, Peter and I uh, are just happy to ride your coattails, man. Right. Riding, riding bastards. No, I'm I'm just a, I, I got lucky, really. Uh, I mean, you know, talent, hard work. There are a lot of people out there that are, are talented and hardworking that that don't succeed, you know, at the at the YouTube game. I just I work my ass off and I'm, I'm proud of, of what I was able to achieve. And uh, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I was a part of this. I really uh, I did enjoy it. I had a lot of fun and it is going to be weird um, coming back and being like, oh, Sunday. I don't have to to do this. Uh, it's it's going to be a little a uh, little sad, and uh, I am going to miss it. But uh, I think that uh, doing retro drum is cool. I don't know. I mean, the the only good thing really about witchcraft is in the beginning, like there were some some good boobies. Yeah, they're not but, too uh, bad for the first five or so. Yeah, they but they get bad. I mean, from the later ones, I might have like two, like two or three windows open, running the movies all at the same time, just to try to. <laughs> all right, I can I can watch four movies in an hour and a half, you know, because <laughs> they're and you're not really, really missing much with those. Oh my god, uh, those later ones. Oh, there's just no plot. It's just it's just boobs, and then here's something about witchcraft, and and they're yeah, shot on they, videotape, and yeah. So it's it's um I might have to kind of you know rush through those, but uh, I did enjoy them. It's it was difficult doing like the Hellraiser ones and stuff, and I'm kind of glad that I did watch them because it was good to laugh at them to see how far off the rails they were going and what ones actually might have been good movies if they didn't try to squeeze them into uh, the Hellraiser universe. But uh, it was it was fun. I've I've always enjoyed the show. I've enjoyed talking to you two guys, and we'll still. I mean, it's not like we're never Never going to talk again it's just blocked on just, facebook yeah you well well you're a freaking i'm i'm so sick of your lib nonsense that uh i'm <laughs> as soon as this is over <laughs> blocking your ass <laughs> yeah cock <laughs> i mean we're still gonna talk we're still friends obviously yeah. if ever if ever the freaking rona lets up and and we can go out in public again well, you know, we should attempt to, to have a drink. So, I mean, I don't drink. I'll have a Pepsi, but... Uh... I don't drink either. I'd have a Dr. Pepper. Peter would be the yeah. only one getting sloshed. So so I'll be the only one having a whiskey sour. P yeah. Peter would and be the designated drinker. The designated drinker, as always. I am uh, not going to lie. Around 1 to 2 a.m. last night, 
I had kind of a panic attack as far as like realizing that this was the last episode of the show. And I know that, that may seem kind of silly. It may seem like a fucking emotional outburst or whatever, but it's like I did sort of realize how special radio drama has been for me over these these last couple of years because it's it's kind of just it's it's always something that has given me something to do, whether I've had something to do on the weekend or whether I haven't. Like there was always that Sunday or when we were doing it on Fridays or, or whatever day that we were designated to do radio drum there'd be always something to do and i would get to hang out with you guys and then i kind of i had this like lingering feeling of like a literal lingering feeling of dread thinking about not being able to really do this on a regular basis anymore and yeah i i actually had kind of kind of a fucking panic attack that's i guess that's how special drone has been to me over these years and you know talking with you guys and obviously we're still going to talk like over over facebook and we're going to do the retro drone thing and that's something that i that i should remind myself of and it's something that I have really loved also because Drome has really taught me and trained me to be a lot more comfortable off the cuff, you know, to not always have to rely on my writing, to not always have to rely on doing like multiple takes. So I've really liked that as well. It's, it's made me, this, this show really has helped to make me a lot more comfortable with myself. I've due to Radio Drome, I've been doing a lot more live streams either joining other people's or lately, you know, do, doing my own, just having a lot more fun being off, off the cuff and flying off the, off the seat of my pants and just sort of being more of, of, of myself than I've been in a long time. So it's like, this really has been something that's been very important to me. And I really do appreciate the, the, the people that have, that have supported me. I appreciate the two of you for putting up with my bullshit for however fucking many years it's been. You know, I'm looking forward to the Retrodrome stuff whenever we do it. So, yeah, uh, maybe my my little fucking send off was maybe not as uh, not as not as funny as Cecil's, maybe a little more emotionally driven, maybe even a little bit depressing. But, yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just being me, I'm just being myself. And that's that's how that's the way I see it. And I do think Radiodrome has been awesome. I really do appreciate everybody that's listened. I appreciate the both of you. And I Hope that people go back and, and re-listen to, to other episodes. I know sometimes that I do. Just thanks. All I, all I got to say is, is thanks to both of you and to the people that have, have listened to us over the years. I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate not only you two guys, but all of the former hosts that we've had, all of those sound bites. You know, I've been collecting those over the last couple of weeks, knowing that this was coming. We're going to keep them. The Nord code will still be active for a while, cause, and, and as well as the Adam and Eve code, because both of those will probably get shifted over to Retrodrome. So those will still be up there. Peter and I are still destitute. I'm a good ten grand in debt. I know Peter is still pretty destitute. If anyone does want to donate to either the Patreon or just help the show out, we do have the PayPal over at 1201beyond at gmail.com, which is also where you can contact me, 1201beyond at gmail.com. Caught up in, and I didn't say, I didn't say thank you to all the people that have listened to us over the years that have listened to uh, my nonsense. This also helped me... I had done some podcasts early on, uh, like you know, 2011 or so, when I moved over to YouTube and got a little bit of attention, and I started having people say, "Hey, you know, you want a guest on a podcast?" And I would be on the show, and I was terrible. I still was getting used to everything. Uh, even, hey, I mean, I have. You do not know how many likes I have to edit out of every episode. You say "like" all the time. I edit so many is... of those out, Cecil. But now, do you have thing. to do you have to edit out more likes from Cecil or more fucks from me? It's about 50-50. <laughs> 
there are verbal crutches that we all have and yes. we don't always realize it until we record ourselves and then listen and say, oh shit, why do you think when I do my shows, I have scripts? Because otherwise it would be filled with likes and ums and whatnot. So, and, and also I wouldn't be able to re relate that much information off of the cuff. This helped me to be better at speaking uh, off the cuff as well. So, because when you're doing this, you're doing it on a weekly basis and you are getting you better at something. You fall into a rhythm and you do, uh, it's, it's a trade, but, but so anyway, so going back to, you know, I wanted to say thank you to all the people who have listened to us over the years who have reached out to me and commented and have said, you know, very nice things. I really, uh, have gotten nothing but positive comments, uh, back from this. And, uh, I think honestly, in all the years that I've done this, I only really got one person who was really mad at Josh but uh, but I think that was only just somebody one. Who... I, I feel I feel like I'm letting people down. Then I know. <laughs> well, I think they were just they wanted to vent to me about you. And then there was the one guy. Oh God, I, I feel bad because I'm friends with him on Facebook. The guy who uh, he called you a screeching harpy, and he actually came around. He, he's friends on Facebook with me too. Yeah. Right, and he's really cool. He's a really nice no, guy. No, he, he's uh, been really cool. I've with him yeah. a few times where I think he kind of just, I think he even said he was just kind of at a bad place and, you know, now he's better. And But he was really super cool. I think a stretching so, harpy is a pretty good description, actually. I, I like that. I think that should <laughs> be on your business card. You know, Josh Hanley, yeah. a professional screeching harpy. Uh, but, if I had business but, cards, I would do that. The only, and I, I feel the need to, to bring this up as well. I've got, we've gotten a lot of positive stuff. We've reached out. We've met, we've had some really good people, but I think probably one of the saddest things was what we had mentioned uh, a, a while ago was the, uh, the one guy, James, who James we had... Durham. Yeah. He was, we'd been talking to him. He was going to be on the show. He was Australian, but he was teaching school in China. He was on the, the show. He was on the show once before. Well, yeah, but, but we were going to have him on specifically we have him on about Ozploitation, because I wanted an actual Australian to weigh in on Ozploitation. He had called me, we talked on Skype, because obviously he was in China at the time. We talked on Skype the night earlier, and he was going through some emotional stuff. I thought everything was okay, and I woke up the next day to find his sister posted he committed suicide that night. That hit all of us hard, because we all knew James, and it was, yeah, that was I that literally was talked to him eight hours earlier, and, you know, I, I thought I'd talked him down and everything was fine, and when I found out he committed suicide, I was like, Jesus fucking Christ, it's like, what? Because then you start thinking to yourself, what else could I have done? Is this my fault that I didn't talk him down even farther, you know? And right. That's the thing is that it's not. is, uh, And that's something that I guess, because there are a lot of people, you know, that have come out of the woodwork and have told us that, you know, we have helped them out with certain issues that have, you know, been dealing with stuff for a long time. I myself, I, I am diagnosed with uh, both anxiety and depression, so I know how it can be. You know, I've been, I've been talked uh, talk down off of stuff, off of ledges on multiple occasions. So it's like, it's, if, if anything, to, not to get super serious here, but really, if you're feeling any of these kind of feelings or if you're having any of these kind of thoughts, Please go see somebody, talk to somebody, be be open about it. Don't just keep it to yourself because the the worst could happen. Tragedy, you know, can can strike. You know, there, there's people that that take their own lives over this kind of stuff. And please don't because there are things that you can do about it. There are measures that you can take. There is there is help 
help that you can seek and there there are people that will listen to you and that will help you out be it a a professional if you go see a doctor be it be it friends like a true friend to somebody that will listen to you over this stuff like you should never feel judged by a friend and and to go talk to them about this kind of stuff because they they should be the ones that are willing willing to help you out and if there isn't if there really isn't anybody like that in your life please go go see somebody about it because men- mental health is really a, a fucking important thing a very very important thing it's 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 absolutely it's it's something that's imperative your health like it's not just it's not just feeling healthy it's not just eating right or or any of this stuff or sleeping right but really it's it's about how you're feeling up there up up in your head and up in your heart so see somebody please because for 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 that to have happened you know somebody that was a regular listener some someone that had been on our show before for him to to have done that it's it's really tragic and if less of that could could happen obviously uh the world's going to be a, a, at least a bit of a better place so yeah yeah not to bring everything down so much but yeah we which i've been doing a lot in this episode sorry <laughs> <laughs> well, I I brought it up, Debbie Downer. Like well, it no, because it, it, it's an important. I, brought, I, I, I remember it really was some. Yeah, yeah when J- James's death hit hit me hard, you know, because we'd been talking about having him on, and like I said, I had just spoken to him eight hours earlier on Skype, and then to find out that he committed suicide, it was just a, a gut punch, and it was like Jesus Christ. I, you know, you never know what's going on with people behind uh, closed doors. And that's why I always get angry when you see people that are just dogpiling people on the Internet and screeching at them over nonsense. Like, right. you don't know what somebody's going through. Being an asshole, you're, you're just you could be making things worse. Right. Now, I'm not saying that everybody has to be nice to everybody all the time, but there there comes a point where, you know, you're being a douche. There's actually a board out there that I don't know if they still have it, but they had a suicide bingo for me saying that I was a suicide just waiting to happen. And what was the over under on when I would do it and how I would do it? See, that and there was an actual shit, board that, about that. that. That kind of shit is wrong. It really is. Like, yeah, this whole like there, there's telling a joke and then there's the whole like genuine sentiment about like you should kill yourself. Like that's that's really wrong. It's it's really and anybody on those boards that is listening, you're a piece of shit. And really, if I ever met you in real life, I'd break your fucking jaw. I really would. You're not funny. You're a piece of crap. You're garbage. Go fuck yourself. Like, seriously, if, if you want to actually reach out to any of us. You can. We will all attempt to answer. Sometimes maybe something gets caught in a spam filter and we don't get an email or something. But I I can speak for all three of us. We will answer you, assuming we get the message. And if people would like to contact Cecil, they could do so where? I appreciate all of you, and I always try to respond. But as Josh said, sometimes things, your wires just get crossed. And uh, But I, I always do my best to try to respond. But you can reach me at goodbadflix.com, as well as goodbadflix on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook. And you can listen to old episodes of Radiodrome and future episodes of Retrodrome at 1201beyond.com. Also, I'll announce it here. My wife and I are starting a podcast. Awesome. So it, it's going are you to have be, Peter and I on. I don't think you want to talk about Hallmark Channel movies. <laughs> don't you make assumptions about me? <laughs> I'm not judging anybody. Who knows what, what people like? But uh, I will, you know, if, if you're serious, I'll be in touch. You know how to get me. 
but it's something mm-hmm. as a whole thing behind it. It's just something that we we thought would be funny to do. And so, but that'll be on my website. And uh, there's going to there's a YouTube th- my my channel manager through my through my YouTube thing. They're they're actually building up a podcast network thing. So I'm waiting for that to go through, and it'll probably launch through that thing. So. And you want to hear more of me and uh, my my wife talking about stuff that uh, you may not be interested in, but I think at the very least you'll enjoy our our humorous dynamic of goofing on people. I think you'll uh, <laughs> listen to it. And where could people find Peter, who is the more elusive of us, because he doesn't do the Facebook thing anymore? Well, obviously you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zinematica. You can find me on YouTube, The Cinematicist. Recently on Twitch at The Real Cinematicist. On Patreon, of course, if you want to support me at all. And you can contact me at 1201beyond at gmail.com. You can go to the website, 1201beyond.com. I'm also on Facebook. As I said, the Patreon and the Nord codes are still going to be active, as well as the Adam and Eve codes. So for the final time, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Killer awoke before dawn. He put his boots on. He took a face from the ancient gallery and he walked on down the hall. He went into the room where his sister lived and then he. Paid a visit to his brother, and then he he walked on down the hall. And 
And he came to a door And he looked inside Father, yes son, I want to kill you Mother I want to Take a chance with us Come on baby Take a chance with us Come on baby Take a chance with us And meet me at the back Of the blue bus The end of night. 
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.